<laughs> Are you not entertained? Get busy living or get busy dying. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Welcome to this week's edition of Taboo Talk. We, this week, are going to talk about looking for love in all the wrong places. Now, I know some people won't recognize that because that's from a different generation. It was actually a popular song from Johnny Lee years and years ago. Some of our older listeners will recognize it. But in all of my years of travel, especially speaking to young people, probably the question that I've been asked more than anything else, or questions, I should say, is in regards to dating. And so a lot of these questions usually arise most oftentimes, really it's not what to look for or what to seek out in a relationship, but what kind of relationships should a person avoid? I actually wrote an article recently. And so today we're going to kind of talk about five, well, maybe six actually, because I know Kaylee's bought a couple of new ones, but five, six, seven different things that a person needs to watch out. Now, our guests today are Sharonda Donnell. Many of you would recognize that name. She's been a part of the Harvest team for, I don't know, about 12 years. And then also Kaylee. And let me also add what a blessing it's been to me lately of all the positive response I've gotten. I know that just in the last 24 hours, I've had several people that have made mention of a couple of our recent podcasts. Matter of fact, one of you really got tickled. A friend of mine from Kansas City, you'll know who you are because I know you listen every week, every other week, but uh, you really like the fact of Kaylee turning the tables on me and being the host. But anyway, it's been great to get the good feedback. But today, and so what I like too about what we're doing today is so we have different generations. And so Kaylee obviously being the youngest, but we have different generations, so we have a little bit different perspectives. So Kaylee, Sharonda, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Now, of course, Sharonda, Sharonda, you've been married how long now? 32 years. Wow, 32 years. So you you obviously have some experience in long-term relationships. Kaylee, I don't believe you're married <laughs> quite yet, are you? Not even close, no. <laughs> you're already laughing about it. Uh, actually, uh, we were listening the other day. We were She was with me in Louisiana at a crusade we did there. And uh, what's the name of that song we listened to so many times? A little more single than she was. She's a little more single than she was. (laughs) So (laughs) some of you will know the artist, but uh, anyway. So let's just jump right into this, and uh, let's start with the very first thing. Now, this to me is kind of a common sense thing. If you're a believer, then you probably already know, number one, I'll just hand this right on over. And Sharana, I'm going to let you take off on this one. What is the number one glaring thing, if you're a believer, that you want to avoid in a relationship? Dating unbelievers. And why is that? Well, because it causes a lot of disharmony in the relationship. You come from different types of backgrounds, different moral beliefs, different goals in life. And therefore, you're not heading in the same direction, and you can't ever last if you're not going the same direction and have the same goals. Yeah, you know, marriage is tough enough as is. Even under the best of circumstances, marriage is not easy and requires a lot of work. And I always go back to a verse in 2 Corinthians 6.14, and although I think this verse applies to more than just marriage, I think it also applies to business I think it even applies to relationships. Kaylee, I mean, I know we're talking today about dating, but I mean, how many times have you heard me say, 
about show me your friends, I'll show you your future, that mm-hmm. you become who you hang around with. Mm-hmm. So even though we're talking about more of a long-term dating slash marriage relationship, it, it applies in business, friendships, and the list goes on and on. But the verse is 2 Corinthians 6.14, and it talks about not being unequally yoked. And um, uh, some, some people might say, well, what does yoked mean? Well, if you think about the old days when they would plow a field, they would have oxen. And that harness that would be around their neck, oftentimes you would see a team of two. And it uh, was a wooden harness that two oxen would be basically, they would slide it over their head so that they could walk in unison. So in essence, what the Bible is saying is, is that in order for two people to be in agreement and to be in unison, it's not good for them to be unequally yoked. Now, as a caveat here, let, let me say this. When I talk about friendships, I mean, I have friends that are non-believers. So we're not talking about isolating yourselves from people that don't know the Lord, because then how would we ever reach them? We're not talking about that. We're talking about close relationships. And of course, again, today, really focusing more on dating. Now, while I say this, I know that there are example, there are exceptions, I should say, to the rule. My mom and dad, my mother was a believer when she met my dad a very young, immature believer, I might add, and and very young at that. I think, do you remember? When She's mom, 15. 15 years old, golly, when my mother married my dad. But my mom was a believer. My dad wasn't. And so my dad eventually came became a believer at a New Year's Eve get-together. I don't know. They'd probably been married a few years. I don't recall how long. So there are examples. But going into a long-term relationship with someone who's not a believer is is certainly a recipe for trouble. I'm, I'm, you guys probably know people as well, do you not? That maybe Again, we're not encouraging that, but but there are exceptions to the rule. But I think going into, uh, let, let's say, a marriage and go, well, I know they're not a believer, but I'm going to eventually win them over, or they're going to come to Christ after we get married. And by the way, I, I can't tell you the scores of people I've met where the the, the wife slash mother goes to church every single week and the husband hasn't been in 20 years. But you guys probably know of exceptions to the rule as well. Yeah, of course. But also, you know, I think about when me and my husband first got married, we came from different denominational backgrounds. And that was hard enough. I can't imagine that if we didn't at least have the same beliefs in God, you know, that he is the, you know, son of, that Jesus is son of God and that he died on the cross for our sins. I can't imagine how hard it would have been to be in a relationship if we didn't have that, at least that foundation. Yeah. Um, I was dating a girl before I married my wife and we came from, and I wasn't even a believer, but grew up going to church, but she came from a completely different faith than I did. And even though neither one of us were really dedicated to our faith, and I, I, I think she was a non-believer as well, it still created a conflict. And it can be a real issue, especially you think about, and I think sometimes people don't think about further down the line once they have kids. And let's say, and, and I'm, I'm coming up with hypotheticals here, but let's say one of them is Jewish and one of them is Catholic. Well, I mean, that's going to be a real source of contention, especially when the kids come into the picture because the husband's going to want it one way and the wife's going to want it another. And so again, there's enough difficulties already in a marriage without adding to that. And, And we're certainly not saying that, I mean, I've been married to the same woman for a long time and 
we don't agree on everything spiritually for sure, but at least we're in one accord where one of us, and, and my wife actually, Missy, grew up going, well, I don't want to say she went to church, rarely, uh, occasionally went to, went to church, a completely different background than I had. But she wasn't a believer. So the good thing is once Missy met Christ prior to us getting married, then it was easy for her to acclimate into a different faith because the one that she attended once or twice a year was not something that she really had an allegiance to. Yeah. And a lot of people who are dating don't even know what the other person even believes or if they even go to church, honestly. Yeah. I know my kids, when they were dating, they didn't, that wasn't something that just came up automatically off, yeah. you know, off mm-hmm. the top or, on, you know, up front. Yeah, to piggyback off that, I would agree. I mean, even in my own life, I found that it's not always you know, a question that you ask immediately. Right. Would you say people in your age group, Kaylee, um, that I mean, w- would that eventually be a, a topic of discussion? Do you think for most people that you know who claim to be believers, or do you think they would just kind of say, oh, well, we'll worry about that further down the line? I mean, what would be your perspective on that? I mean, I guess it kind of depends on where your relationship with God falls. If that's something that's at the forefront of your mind and something that's a priority to you, then you probably would ask that a little bit sooner than somebody who's maybe not as deep in their faith. Yeah, and that makes sense. And I'm sure that's probably that would probably hold true, as it would in any aspect of your spirituality. I mean, we've seen a few dating shows over the years, and there's a lot of people that it's easy to say, well, yeah, I'm a believer, a person of faith, but... But yeah, I, I I think you're probably right. I don't think it's the priority among your age group that it might have been in Sharonda in my age group. Right. That's one of the first questions I asked was, you know, do you go to, I said, do you go to church? I didn't say, were you a Christian? Mm-hmm. You know, that came a little bit later. I wanted to know first, are you going to church? <laughs> and then are you a Christian? So let me ask Kaylee, your perspective, just being from a younger generation. I love what Sharonda said, because that's exactly what I said. What I should have been saying, are you a believer? Yeah. I, I said would have said the same thing, do you go to church? And of course, going to church doesn't no. really prove anything. I'm just curious from your age group, would there be would that be similar? Would people be more likely to say, Do you attend church than they would to say, Are you a believer? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't all right. Well, so the first thing is dating a non-believer. And again, I think that's probably one of the most elementary ones. I think most people would have already assumed that that might have been in the list. The next one is this. It's dating a person who professes Christ, but whose life really doesn't back it up. And there's a verse in Matthew, I memorized this years ago, back when I memorized the Summer on the Mount. And, and Jesus made this such a great statement, such a critical statement, and it applies, again, in so many different ways. But he said, by their fruits, you'll know them. And in the same way, I mean, it's kind of elementary. It, it would be the equivalency of, say, of saying, you'll know an apple tree if it has apples on it. And so Jesus was basically saying, by the way someone lives their life is how you're going to know what they're really all about. And this really kind of goes back, Sharonda, to what you said about asking someone, well, do you go to church? I mean, I, and Kaylee, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember telling you and Lane, I don't know so much Graham, but I remember telling you when you were in the youth group that just because someone goes to the youth group doesn't mean they're a believer. I was in the youth group and I wasn't a believer. And just because somebody's in the youth group doesn't mean they're committed to Christ. And right, so, and basically me asking, do you go to church, I asked everybody I dated that, 
But if you were to turn it around on me and say, at that time in my life, did my life uh, represent Christ, even though I was asking you if you went to church or whatever, my life at that time did not represent, it was not a good example of Christ. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Well, this whole concept of does your life, and I mean, does your life back up what you say? I've said so many times, anybody can wear a label. You can put a label on an empty bottle. But does your life back it up? It's not enough to just say, well, even beyond do you go to church, are you a believer? Because it's very easy. Again, I, I claim to be a believer, and I wasn't. Uh, so it's very easy for people to make that statement. And obviously, this is something that takes time. I mean, you wouldn't know this maybe on date number one. But does a person's life, I mean, does, does the way they talk, does the way they live? I mean, I know, Sharon, even here, that when people, before they apply for a job, we look at their social media accounts. Mm-hmm. Because their social media accounts say a whole lot yeah, about exactly. about their life. And and so it, it's it's trying to ascertain whether or not what somebody claims to be, are they really that? And many of you that have heard me preach have heard me say that, kind of uh, add to that verse, I don't want to say add to, but by their fruit you'll know them, but by their roots you'll understand them. And so I think one of the questions really is, and I think especially, Kaylee, as I've talked to so many college students and high school students over the years, is is this. It's not only does their life back up what they say. And again, we're not talking about somebody that is perfect, but but somebody who consistently is trying to live for the Lord. Yeah, they've got they make mistakes. Yeah, they're not perfect. Yeah, they've got holes in their life that they're trying to fix. But for the most part, you can see that this is a person who is committed to Christ, and they're trying to walk with the Lord in spite of their weaknesses and their failures. But but to me, it, there, there's a little bit more to that, and that is this. I mean, if, if I were a younger person now, and if I could go back in time, I, I would not only want to know, are you plugged into a spiritual group, and are you a believer, and does your life back it up? But what are you doing? Are you in the Word? Do you pray? And and even deeper than that would be, is my relationship with this person stimulating me to be a stronger believer? Is, is knowing them causing me to get further away from Christ, or are they a catalyst to lead me closer to Christ? Sharonda, you'd, you'd mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking about how, and, and, and it was the same for me, that while these are proof in the pudding things that you want to avoid, they're not necessarily things that you and I avoided. And your dad's a preacher, and so you certainly grew up in church, and I grew up in church, and I I, I knew whether or not my girlfriends went to church because we were dating. But it, it, it wasn't like I was gung-ho and like, oh, well, if she doesn't go to church or she doesn't claim to be a believer, well, I'm not going to date her. If I'm going to be honest, it just didn't matter. I agree. It didn't either. The only reason I ask if, like I said, is if they went to church was because I felt like that made them safer. You know, I could trust them a little more than you would somebody else. But yeah, it it wasn't a break deal, honestly. I can honestly say that I dated guys that didn't go to church. Yeah. Well, and I think honestly that for the most part, for a lot of people that, again, go to church all the time or claim to be believers, it doesn't become a real priority until a relationship gets really serious. Yeah, and I feel like that that is too late by I agree. that time. I agree. That reminds me, um, 
obviously I'm not going to use names here, but there was a girl that I went to school with, beautiful girl, and I always respected her. I mean, she she was a believer, and she lived it in every single way, really dedicated to the Lord. And she started dating a guy that I knew, and he, he, he was not only was he not a believer, I didn't think he was a good guy. And I always respected her, and I actually asked her one day in English class, I'm like, what are you doing dating I'll call him Mike. That was not his name. What are you doing dating Mike? And she kind of looked at me with this weird look, and I'm like, you know, I've always respected you. I know you and I live a different life, but he he lives a different life too. And I'll never forget what she told me. She said, well, you know, I don't get asked out on dates a lot. And the reason she didn't, most people were intimidated because she was gorgeous. And she said, I don't get asked out on dates a lot. And, you know, he's a nice guy. And, yeah, we, we have completely different convictions on a lot of things. But, I mean, I, I just want to have somebody, you know, just a date where I can have a little fun. And what ended up happening is she ended up falling in love with him, which can happen. That's why, as you said, you really need to kind of get this lined out beforehand. She fell in love with him, and she actually got pregnant. Then they got married, and I think the marriage lasted like two years. So, yeah, I mean, it is something that should be settled beforehand. But, I mean, I, I, neither one of us can say I practice what I preach. No. Kaylee, what's your thought? I mean, is this... Is this a priority, do you think? Do you think also that people would be more likely to try to really dig down and see where somebody's at spiritually when the relationship's getting serious? Or do you think that people in your age group would do it on the front end? I mean, for me personally, it hasn't always been the biggest priority like it should be. Um, probably could have saved myself heartbreak and trouble along the way if I would have maybe been more aware or gotten that straightened out from the get-go. Yeah, and I think really... <laughs> That really holds true with all three of us. I mean, we all could have avoided a lot of heartache if this would have been a priority. And I think part of it is, you know, everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be in a relationship. And, of course, I know speaking for me, it wasn't a priority because really God wasn't a priority. The truth of it is. Yeah, that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to number three. Dating a person who is overly jealous or controlling. Kayla, you got any thoughts on this one? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm totally asking. I, yeah, I have a few. Well, let's hear I mean, I, don't, I guess that's just something that you want to avoid at all costs. It's just not healthy for anybody involved. But when you have someone like that, there's nothing you can do to fix them. More on the jealousy side and other relationships of people you know or more the controlling side where they've been in relationships. Which of the two have you seen more of? I I don't I feel like I see a lot with like the women that I have in, in my life and I mean a lot of us have grown up together and so been around for a lot of relationships I feel like jealousy and being controlling also go hand in hand because when jealousy is involved then you want to have more control of the situation know what's going on and so I don't know I feel like I've seen both and I've seen it in boys oh yeah men and women oh yeah both absolutely yeah well. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, when, of course, the love chapter, talking about what true love is, it says it's not envious and it's not easily angered. And and so I, I want to kind of park on the two things. So first of all, jealousy. And it, there is a normal side where everybody wants an exclusive relationship. And, and I, I that that's normal, that's natural, where I don't want to have to worry about uh, a person I was dating or, or missing who I am married to of there being any boundaries crossed. I mean, exclusivity, that, 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 that's something that should be given without any question. 
But it's when the jealousy gets to a point where you're trying to manipulate or control somebody's thought pattern, somebody's time, where you're gaslighting people, which is a, a common thing. So We're trying to isolate them from mm-hmm. other people. Yeah, yeah, and you see that, and, and especially it's tragic when you see them isolating them from their family. And I'm not going to name the show, but there's a, a show, Kaylee, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about, that we've watched. And we have seen several different situations where one of the first steps was to try to get somebody away from their family. And eventually, oftentimes, these types of relationships end up in physical or emotional abuse. It's, it's not uncommon at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah. Um, any other thoughts on that? Because, I mean, it, it's so toxic when, so, and, I, you know, honestly, I've never been in a relationship like that where, some and I, I think that's part of just my personality, but I, I'm not one that would be easily uh, somebody controlling me and manipulating me. But do do you do either one of y'all know somebody that's been in a situation like you know obviously not say their name, but has been in one of these types of relationships? Because what's ironic is the people that I know of that have been in them, everybody else is saying, "Why don't you get out?" And I don't know whether it's they can't see it or they feel like they can't get out, but it seems like that they end up staying in. That's what I've seen. They're like stuck in a vicious cycle. Yeah. Kayla, you know anybody, well, again, without saying names, that have been in one of these types of relationships? Um, yeah, someone really close to me, and she was quickly isolated is how it started. And then, obviously, when you don't have friends or family to turn to at that point, it becomes easier to listen to the only peop- only person who's feeding information into your head, which is always negative. And it took a huge toll on her, and she had to move states and get out of it, quit her job, and really got a hold of her. So, Yeah, and I see sometimes, too, where people that are in these relationships, again, I, I think that isolation is part of the grooming, where, as you said, Kaylee, the only voice they're hearing is this one person, which gives them a greater degree of control. But to me, another troubling part of that is how oftentimes – the victim, the person who's being manipulated and controlled, over time begins to believe the lies that they're being told and don't even realize it. Yeah. And I, I guess, again, that's just that's just part of the grooming process. It's, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around it because it's never happened to me. I've, I've seen it. But, yeah, so dating a person who's overtly jealous or controlling is a, is a huge recipe. And, you know, the Bible talks about Freedom, man. Freedom we have in Christ. And there's there's freedom we have in, in knowing the Lord. And there should be a freedom in a relationship. And again, of course there's parameters. And of course there's boundaries as there should be with any healthy relationship. But when it comes to a point of isolation and manipulation, you know you're in trouble. I think that sometimes the reason that they start buying into these lies and beliefs that are being fed to them is because they don't know who they are in Christ. I think that's true and too. so it's easy to buy into the lies. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I also know of people who also have become victim. And I don't want to blame their parents, but have kind of grown up with an identity crisis. Maybe their parents separated or they were never really that close. I've seen this so many times, never really close to their father. And so they were kind of looking for a male father figure in their life, even though they didn't even recognize it. And so um, I've known of, of women and girls that have gotten involved in relationship and, and kind of perceived him in that capacity, which 
again, gave, gave him a greater degree of control than he had the right to have. So I, I think that's a good point. All right, we'll move on to the next one. Dating a person who does not share a common vision and goals for marriage and kids. I'm going to go back to Matthew 12, 25. Jesus said that a house that is divided against itself cannot stand. The actual context of that verse that he quoted was he was being accused of being possessed by the devil. There was a group of people that were saying, well, you're able to do the miracles that you're able to do, not because you have God's power, but because you have the power of the forces of darkness. And, and Jesus was dispelling the myth by saying, that's impossible. A house that's divided, that's two ways, it, it won't make it. And so even though Jesus was talking in a different context, this holds true in so many different aspects. And again, you could apply this to relationships, business, businesses, marriage, the list goes on and on. But common goals for marriage and kids. This is another one of those situations that oftentimes people don't think to work out until it's too late. And when I say it's too late, when they're already married. And these are things, as with anything else, you I can accept somebody letting me know what their stance is, but not changing the rules after the fact. And people typically don't do well if you get in a long-term relationship. And then let's just say hypothetically, well, by the way, now that we're married or now that we're getting married, I want you to know that I expect you to be at church with me every week. Well, why didn't you tell me that long before we got to this place in marriage? So uh, it's surprising how many people think that, well, we'll work that out after we get married. By the way, just a, a word of wisdom here. If you're thinking you're going to work out anything after you get married, that's a recipe for trouble. Sharonda, you've been married long enough. Would <laughs> you agree with I almost laughed <laughs> because, you know, I mean, you really don't change them anymore. They, they try really hard to impress you before you get married, and then after you're married, they think they've won, and they don't have to do any more or any extra. <laughs> so you're not going to change their mind. But a, a lot of people do think, well, that's something that down the road they'll change their mind about, you know, or I can change their mind. But yeah. It usually doesn't happen. Well, and what we're not saying here that every single solid that would be impossible that every single solitary issue has to be worked out before you walk down the aisle and say I do matter of fact my my cousin's getting married and he and his fiance were at our house last night for dinner and I'm very close to him love him dearly and uh, matter of fact I'm doing their, their wedding later on this year but we met a few months ago and we talked a little bit about this and that, and this is what I would recommend. If I were to give, not a marriage culture, but if I were, the advice that I would give is: is while you can't work out anything, I would sit down and look at what are the core issues in my life that are non-negotiables. Obviously, I've been married long enough that there are a lot of negotiables, and and Missy and I don't agree on a lot of things, but there are certain things that that for each person are extremely important that have to be worked out. And what I would say is, is what are those things? I mean, i.e., we started off with, well, I'm not going to marry a non-believer. I'm not going to marry somebody who doesn't go to church. I'm not going to marry somebody who doesn't believe in disciplining our children. Whatever those things are, those core set of values and beliefs that you say, okay, I know that when I get married, this is going to be paramount. This is going to be a priority 
if you and I are going to get married or even be in a long-term dating relationship. It's certainly better to know that now and to find out that this person could never give in to some of those requirements that I have than to fall in love with them and then try to give into it or work it out after the fact. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's funny that you say that because that's what my mom used to tell. That's what she told all my kids, and that's what she told me and my siblings was when you're looking for a spouse, somebody that you want to marry, you need to make a list of all those things that you desire in a husband or wife. And, you know, not I'm not talking about blonde, blonde hair, blue eyes, or what have you, but I'm talking about goes to church, you know, not a drinker, you know, that sort of thing. You write those things down that you want in a spouse and that are non-negotiable and don't change or bend for anybody. You know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to tread out here on a limb a little bit and I would even go so far as I'm just going to put it out there. I would even go so far as to say that I would even want to have a discussion in regards to physical intimacy. Um some parameters or boundaries that I might have or that to make sure that, because I I mean, in all the years of ministry, I have seen that the two things that cause the biggest issues in marriages is money and sexuality. And so these are even issues that I think in regards to finances would would be something that I would want to have ironed out beforehand. We just the other night, we were at the house talking about how and I'm not criticizing those of you that do this, but Missy and I have one account. My money's her money. Her money's my money. And I know a lot of other people that they have separate accounts, and that works for them. I mean, and that's great. I'm just saying it wouldn't work for me. And so types of discussions like these are things that I would want to work out beforehand to make sure that we were going to be on the the same page. Even goals. I mean, um, Kelly, I'd be curious, again, kind of going back to your age group, do you think that even, well, let's just, let me just ask you, do you think that if you were in a long-term relationship that that would, a discussion about goals, what your expectations are in regards to your lifelong goals, your finances, your dreams? I mean, isn't that something that you would want that person to know and you would want to know theirs as well? Well, of course. And like you said earlier, you want to be on the same page. I mean, when you're talking about the rest of your life and you get to that point in a relationship when you realize that that's the person you want to be with, I mean, you have to take into account, okay, this is the rest of my life, you know? I mean, it's things change when you get married, no matter if you don't think it does. If you already live together, it's still going to change. So, yeah, it's important to get those things squared away. And, you know, that's the thing. I mean, and I, I don't know the answer to this. At what point do you have that discussion? I mean, obviously, you want to have that discussion before you get married. But what can happen is, is, if you don't have it soon enough, you can end up falling in love with someone, and then it's already like, well, I've already given my heart to them, I'll be stuck, yeah, and I'm stuck. So you know, and then what happens is someone ends up giving up their lifelong calling or goal, and just doing whatever, compromising, yeah, compromising for the relationship. Yeah. So I mean, how do you answer that question? Somebody listening going, well, then when do you have that discussion? I mean, yeah, I get it. You have it before you get married, but. At what point in a dating relationship? You know, for me, I guess I, if, if I were pinned down on that question, I would. I guess I would say that would be a discussion that I would want to have as soon as I notice that I'm starting to have really strong feelings and considerations in my mind that this may be long-term. 
Any thought? Y'all agree with that? Yeah. yeah once you get to that point when you realize, okay, this could be forever, well, then, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a good time, which will obviously be different for everybody. Of course. But, right. yeah, before marriage and when you know. And right? I think a lot of these things take place in pre-marital counseling. But to me, that's too late. Yeah. Because that's when you're already saying, you know, I'm about to say I do, you know, and it may be too late to be changing your mind on some of these things that are non-negotiable. You know, I'm glad you mentioned, I hadn't even thought about that in today's discussion, but you mentioned premarital counseling. Matter of fact, this uh, relative of mine that I'm marrying, um, I told them when I met with them, there's a book called Love and Respect. In my opinion, it's the greatest marriage book that's ever been read, written. I have read it. Missy has read it. I would personally not marry anybody that had not read that book. And I told my cousin, who I, I love dearly, and I said, man, I'm telling you right now, because they wanted to meet with me and have some discussions early, early on. And we're going to have some later on as we get closer to that date. But I said, I won't even meet with you again until you've read this book, Love and Respect. I would be curious. I know what your stance, Sharonda, is. is I think premarital counseling is not a good idea, not even a great idea. I would say it's essential. Would, would you agree with that? I agree, but I, I didn't have it. I didn't either. And, you know, and there was things I found out after the fact that I was like, oh, well, too late now. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. For the long haul. Kelly, in your age group, because see, back when Sharon and I were married, I mean, we didn't, number one, if you went to therapy or counseling, you didn't tell anybody because no. they were going to think you're crazy. crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. So you wouldn't have told anybody. And I don't know anybody in our age group that ever went to premarital counseling. No. Kelly, would that be something that your age group would be interested or open to? I mean, because I think as an outsider looking in, that it's more accepted now than it was back in Sharon and I's day. Do you think most people your age would go, yeah, I wouldn't have a problem going to premarital counseling? I don't, it's a hard, that's a hard one because I know plenty of people who wouldn't think anything differently of it. Like my friend who's in psychology, Yeah, you know, that's normal for her. Like that's a given. It's a smart thing to do. Yeah. But I also know people that, would think you must have a lot of issues if you're going to counseling before you get married. Really? Yes. Even I'm trying to figure out how to, I'll edit this down. I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Someone I had talked to, how do I? Someone you know of? Yeah. When I was having a discussion with someone, uh, someone that I know and had mentioned you and mom were headed to therapy or something for the day, they couldn't believe it. And they were like, wow, what's going on? Well, nothing. <laughs> Everything's fine. Just, they've been doing that. They've done it. I said they've done it since I got out of the hospital, like just healthy, maintain, you know, whatever. And they just couldn't fathom that everything was okay, yet you were going to counseling. Really? Yeah. So there was an automatic thought that, man, Something's Jay, up. Yeah, Jay and Missy, man, they're on yeah. the cliff. Yes, <laughs> yes, literally. And, oh, and maybe they, you know, they might have a preconceived idea about uh, people going to premarital counseling that maybe they shouldn't get married or should, you know, yeah. maybe call this off beforehand if they're already mm-hmm. having to go to counseling. But wow. I have a 25-year-old niece that's getting married in October, and her and her fiancé are going to premarital counseling. And they, you know, talking about these big major things that we're talking about today, you know, kids, money, Sex, you know, how, you know, what we, what our expectations are in a marriage. And I think it's great and they think it's great. So, you know, I don't know if it's, you know. I'm a little surprised, Kelly, because I would have thought you're, I mean, I get Sharon and I's age group because again, 
you didn't talk about it. You never knew anybody that went to counseling, and that was the last resort. That, you're one step away from being put in a, a psychiatric <laughs> But I would have thought your age would have been. A well, little... I would say, I, like I like I said, I mean, I know plenty of people that wouldn't think anything of it. Like I know a lot of people that would view that as normal or smart. But I could also think of plenty of people who would probably have the same reaction mm. of, yeah, what's going on. So there is still a sick a stigma. I would say some... so. Well, That's... specifically with things like premarital counseling, like yeah. I think people just think that's like taboo, you know, wow. setting yourself or up for failure. Or even marriage pretty, counseling. Pretty people think that you're headed oh, yeah. for divorce if you go to marriage counseling, you know? Oh, yeah. Wow. That that's the last stop before divorce yeah. Yeah. is yeah. going to marriage counseling. Headed to the big D in the <laughs> yeah, domain Dallas. Dallas. <laughs> yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, it's really surprising because just the other day, we're on the 11th floor in a high-rise downtown Wichita Falls, and there's a counseling center on our floor. And... I don't know. I can I can think of at least two or three times when a younger person was on the elevator with me, and I'm like, how you do? Elevator talk. Hey, how's your day going? And have said, not good. Therapy was a nightmare today. Or, I'm having a good day. And I'm like, well, I, I, first of all, I, I, I would ask people, are you looking for something? Because normally people didn't come up to our floor. and like, no, I'm going to therapy. But nobody seemed to be like, hush-hush about it, mm-hmm. the younger people. I haven't had any older people, but younger people I run into on the elevator are like, yeah, man, therapy, yeah, it's all good, you know. So I, I'm a little surprised, but it does make, it is funny that somebody that you know thought, mom and I, man. Yeah, yeah things we're, are not going well for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, the truth of it is they may not have been. You well, know, yeah, I, I mean, mean, yeah, maybe not, but, you know, at least you're doing something to prevent things from getting worse. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. I mean, I'm not going to put on the front here. Missy and I have been... Sometimes we've been to marriage counseling just because it's a tune-up. You know, we're wanting to make things better, just to check in and to have somebody independent give thoughts and ideas. But there have been times that we've been to marriage counseling. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, not because we're literally have met with lawyers, but we haven't got that far, (laughs) but where there's been issues. Wow. Okay, well, let's move on to number five. Dating a person. Wow. Okay, now I'd like, hopefully both of you guys get something to say about this. Dating a person who isn't transparent, about their past and their future. Now, let me put the brakes on here for a minute and say this. Nobody, and I mean nobody, is without some skeletons. Every single one of us have some things that we're not proud of, that we wished other people did not know. Certainly, Missy knows some things about me that nobody in the world would know, as she should, as my wife. But and so we're not talking about we feel like date number one down at the coffee shop, you know. You, <laughs> spill it all. Yeah, yeah. This, as, as you're generous, spill the tea. I mean, man, pour it all out there. I mean, we're not talking about that. Matter of fact, if you do that, I know to most men, you'll never see them again anyway. They'll run away as fast as they can. So we're not talking about that. But, but being able to communicate and be open about not only the future plans that you have, that need to be conveyed, but about the past. And and I can't say what issues of the past need to be addressed or what don't. I, I think you know that. But I know that before Missy and I got married, I can honestly say that there is nothing. I, I Honestly, I, I cannot think of one single thing that Missy did not know. And I actually told Missy, I said, now you have the freedom to ask me anything you want to ask me. You may not like some of the answers, 
And you may wish you would not have asked me some of the questions that you may ask. But I said, before we get married, I want you to know my life is an open book. And it served me well. And Missy did the same thing for me. And obviously, again, I think this goes back to some of the other other things we've discussed. These are th- these are some of those core issues that you want to find out before you say I do. All right. So, what you guys thought on this whole thing about? And again, I'm going to throw a verse in there. Jesus said, "There's nothing covered that shall not be revealed. There's nothing hidden that shall not be known." Um, people have always heard me say, "You're only as sick as your secrets." So, what y'all thought about this thing about? Before I get in this long-term relationship, before things get really serious, is it important to you, Sharonda? Was it important to you, Kaylee? Will it be important to you uh, when you get into a longer-term relationship? Is that something that you're going to want to nail down, Sharonda? We'll start with you. Was that important between you and Brad before y'all got married? Well, yes, it is important. But let me say, from a past of sexual abuse, that it's very difficult to admit to and talk about some of those things with anybody that you think that you love and think that might look at you differently after knowing certain things. So, yes, it was a very difficult and I'm I I'm ashamed to say that I did not talk about it before we got married. It was after we got married that I talked about my sexual abuse with my husband. And did that create was Brad upset that why didn't you tell me this beforehand or, oh, yeah. or did he take that well or what? No, he was upset that I didn't talk to him, you know, beforehand. Now, obviously, it wouldn't have changed his mind on whether he was going to marry me right. or not, but he wished I would have felt comfortable enough to tell him beforehand. But I just didn't feel secure. And he probably understood that. Yeah. And I think this goes back to one of the reasons why this is important. It's not only to to get everything off your chest, but it facilitates transparency. It facilitates openness. It facilitates conversation. So I think it's even goes beyond just a matter of being transparent, but the bond that it can create. And I mean, I, I can say this because Missy's talked about her sexual abuse openly. I am the first person Missy ever told. She didn't tell anybody her own family, her mom, her dad, nobody. And I remember where we were when she told me. I, I, I remember literally that day and uh, and how frightened she was. And, of course, we weren't married at that time. We were dating. But I had so much respect for her. Uh, and I am glad that she told me beforehand. Again, it, it, it didn't obviously didn't matter because I married her anyway. We've been together for a long time. But it really it built a lot of trust. And you know, even though I didn't understand it, just that level of transparency just showed me a side of Missy, a vulnerability that I just loved in her, that she would just be that open with me. It Honestly, this may sound cheesy, I don't care. It really showed me how much she loved me, that she would confide in me something of that magnitude. Kelly, what about you? Would this be something that is important to you? I know, again, we, we've joked about, you know, you're more single than you were, but <laughs> w- w- would you say that in... In the future, when you get into a long-term relationship, that this would be the type of discussion where you would want to say, hey, I not only want you to be open with me, but I want to be open with you and and share some of those things that might be a roadblock in the future. Yeah, of course. I think um, starting off a relationship with vulnerability is really important um, because that just shows that you trust them. And obviously when you open up or you allow yourself to do that, it allows room for the other person to do it as well. And I think that can, you know, obviously that's a good start for a relationship. So. 
Yeah, I, I think so too. I think there's a trust building that's there. Um, and again, it's not just the past, but I think, and this kind of weaves back into what we were talking about earlier, but not only your past, but your future. Mm-hmm. Like um, when Missy married me, it's not like Missy didn't know my background. She didn't know what my hopes were for the future. I mean, I know of somebody um, that their husband was going to have a nine to five job and kind of had selected this one certain career. And then after they were married, he decided that he was going to switch careers and this career that he was going to have was going to require him to be traveling extensively. Um, he was going to be gone oftentimes a week, week and a half at a time. And they almost divorced over it. It's like, well, this is not what I agreed to. You know, I, I need somebody that's going to be here every day. That's going to be home at night. And, uh, you know, you never told me that in the back of your mind that this was a dream of yours. And had I known that, that might have changed things because <clears throat> she was saying, you know, that I'm just the kind of woman that I, I don't do well in that environment. I need, so again, they, they were able to salvage the relationship. But I think not only the past is important, but also dis- discussing the future as well. Well, we'll get on to our last one today. And I think this is another, this is really key, is... Don't get in a situation where you're sacrificing your morals, your values, and your boundaries for the sake of another person. Now, let's let's stop here for a minute and realize that obviously any long-term relationship, especially marriage, is a history of give and take. And obviously there are times that, I mean, there's a lot of things that I've given into for Missy, and she has me as well. And I, that's... That's the nature of a healthy relationship. But we're not talking about a willingness to to do certain things. We're talking about when it gets down to compromising the core of who you are, your core beliefs, your character, your core values, your core morals. And again, I think that this is another one of those scenarios that often is something that's unintentional that happens as a result of, of not having worked out some of these earlier issues that we discussed and now being locked into a relationship and feeling as though you have no other choice. Any thoughts on that? Well, I was sitting here thinking about when I first started dating, probably when I was about 15, and uh, up until I met my husband and married him, I did a lot of compromising. I did a lot of not speaking up for my beliefs or values or morals because I was afraid that this person wouldn't want me if they knew what I believed, what I truly thought, who I truly was. And, you know, looking back, I'm like, it was such a waste of time. I mean, I caused myself a lot of heartache because of it. But it was a fear, I think, that kept me in these relationships and kept me uh, continuously sacrificing who I truly was. Is this something that you see, Kaylee? Because I I think that this is, it it doesn't discriminate on age. I think whether, regardless of what age you are, there is a tendency among people that you fall in love with somebody. And I think it starts off on a smaller level. And for some people, if you're in a relationship with the wrong person, that they can run with this. Mm -hmm. And before you know some of the little concessions that you made have now turned into big concessions. But anyway, the bottom line is that that I think it does start on a smaller level 
And I, I think a lot of times it's done out of love. I, I, I'm doing something because I love you and I want to make you happy. But if it's the wrong person, the kind of person that wants to take advantage of it, they run it. And the next thing you know, they've ran with it to a point where you've lost your moral compass. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm kind of a people pleaser. And so that's what got me into a lot of trouble. I didn't want to upset anybody. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to upset the relationship. And so I found myself in a lot of compromising situations. Yeah, I can attest to that one. Just, I mean, yeah, you feel like, okay, I'll just, let me just save myself from the argument or let me save myself from just expressing how I feel. And it's just compromising. You're compromising, sticking up for yourself, standing your ground, sticking with your boundaries and things that you just aren't going to tolerate. And like you said, over time, it becomes more and more easy to just kind of brush under the rug. Let's not deal with it, you know? Yeah, and I think that's where end up people losing their identity. Yeah. And relationship on its way to crumble. Well, that about does it for today. You know, at the end of the day, this podcast is obviously always about one thing. And we talk about a lot of different to- topics and we really want to talk about this one because I do speak to a lot of students. Um, matter of fact, I just uh, just booked two events with students in the last week, big events. And so we wanted to kind of do a break from our traditional thing and, and talk about dating because it is so important. And uh, obviously, people from all different walks of life and all different ages listen to it. But at the end of the day, um, it, it's all about having a relationship with Christ. And re- regardless of whatever mistakes you have made in your dating relationship, if you're a younger person, it's not too late to right the ship and to implement some of these. I mean, these are biblical concepts. This isn't stuff we just came up with on our own. But but this is kind of a biblical mandate here. And then if you're a person who maybe you've already gotten married and these are things that you wished you would have done and you feel like you're locked in. Well, I just want to tell you that even in that case, it's never too late. God can bring healing. You know, Kaylee mentioned earlier about Missy and I have gone to counseling therapy off and on our whole married life and not always because there were problems, sometimes because there were, but I would encourage that for anybody. And although God the therapist or the counselor in our case, mostly it was a preacher, but did not heal us. It was God that healed us, but he used the wisdom from them. So maybe you're feeling like you're in a relationship it's a dead end relationship and you've already made some of these mistakes and you're locked in. God can bring healing for you too. We look forward to having you next week on actually two weeks on taboo talk with Jay Lauder.